Hey, Shannon, we're reading teachers. So guess what? It's time to talk about Dr. Seuss. Do you remember reading Dr. Seuss as a kid? Oh, I loved Green Eggs and Ham. It was my absolute favorite, personally. Hmm. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, black fish, blue fish, old fish, new fish. This one has a little star. This one has a little car. Say what a lot of fish there are. I can keep going because I have half the book memorized. Of course you do. We're reading teachers. We love Dr. Seuss, right? And I read it to my brothers and sisters every night before bed. Oh, Dr. Seuss. Well, it is time to talk about Dr. Seuss. I'm really glad you brought it up. It's something we've been needing to talk about here in the teacher's lounge. Yeah. Okay. I know. You've told me. We need to do some research about it. This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. This is Season 2, Episode 3. Wrong <laughs> Season 3, Episode 2. Forgive my dyslexic brain sometimes. <laughs> Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2. It's time to talk about Dr. Seuss. And um, my name is Mary Sagafi. I am a reading teacher. I am tutoring currently, and I'm also a dyslexia advocate. Surprise, surprise. I've been teaching since 2006. And I'm Shannon Betts. I've been teaching since 2002. I uh, have been a classroom teacher, reading specialist. I'm currently working at a private school as a guidance counselor and resource teacher. And um, happy to be here with all of you. Yeah. Um, if you all don't know, Shannon and I are neighbors, and we just absolutely love talking about reading with one another and sharing our ideas and tips and some light professional development. And today, what we would really like to discuss is how to start having difficult conversations about some um, semi-controversial topics that we're sort of grappling with. And so normally we're super excited to record, super excited to chat. And then this is one that I'll be honest, I was dreading a little bit because this is an uncomfortable topic and it brings up a lot of feelings for me. Well, and me too. And I think that um, the way that I'm sort of deciding to plow through this episode, um, and I'm going to just keep talking about it, is I'm trying to grapple with it. I'm going to grapple with it out loud and try and be as honest and aware of myself um, and some of the things that I don't always consider um, and try to consider that before presenting any new reading material to my students. I want to make sure that... Um, I am ready and prepared to have conversations um, about topics that may or may not make me uncomfortable. Yep. And so we're going to be real with you guys here, just like as if you were in the teacher's lounge with us. we got to dive in, Shannon. Let's start talking about it. Who and what are we talking about tonight? Well, we've talked about who we are and why this is hard for us, but... Yeah, we have a history of growing up with Dr. Seuss. I mean, we read him as kids. We were read Dr. Seuss as kids by our parents. We read it to our siblings. We read it in school. And then we celebrated Dr. Seuss's birthday. 
Read Across America Day, and we always just called it Dr. Seuss's birthday, and I paraded around the school with a big cat in the hat hat on, and um, I loved reading Green Eggs and Ham as fast as I could to my kids and enjoying some Green Eggs and Ham that day, and those days are really special to me. They bring up a lot of like really good memories, and um, it, it makes me happy because it makes me nostalgic from my childhood, and I also loved reading to my own babies as well. Yes. And I talked in previous seasons about how I sort of had a, you know, like a casual cat in a hat reading test. You know, it can, if this kid is a reader, if they can read Cat in the Hat, and if they really cannot decode that book, then we've got, we've got to really go back to the foundation. And making sure that they understand sight words. And the book Green Eggs and Ham was written using just I believe it's 50 words. Please don't quote me on that. But. It's something in the 50 or 60 range. And then Cat in the Hat like has those same sight words, but then also has CVC and a couple with blend and digraphs. So that was yep. a way to sort of see if the students could, you know, de- knew, the, knew the sight words and some decodable words as well. Right. So I think in... In that context, I think that it is appropriate to use text like that and to um, address rhyming and some other really powerful um, stylistic um, style. What am I trying to say? The writing style that Dr. Seuss applies to his books. Right. We've We've used them in the past in our teaching arsenal because they're full of nonsense words. Correct. Which we've said are really a strong teaching tool. And they're full of phonemic awareness activities. And they um, help students have fun with language. And so they've been a big part of our teaching practice for years. However, however, it's starting to get called out um, in the media and um, in social circles that Ted um, Giesel, Geisel, Geisel. <laughs> we've been going back and forth about that. Ted Geisel, who is Dr. Seuss, um, who published his books from 1937 to 1990, which is a very long span of a century. Um, he experienced a lot of history in that time, um, but he also has some racial depictions in some of his cartoons. He has um, some cartoons that were politically charged um, that he wrote for political reasons that are um, I've read the phrase anti-Oriental mm-hmm. and anti-Japanese, um, especially during World War II. Um, and we can't really ignore that, that that fits into a piece of the literature that we are still exposing our children to. Yeah, there's some racial stereotypes that are negative that are portrayed. And the last few years... Um, I've seen in social media and by people that I respect and also my friends of color have expressed to me during Read Across America Week that they feel Dr. Seuss was racist. They're not comfortable with how much we revere him and how much he's celebrated and that his history and his writing and pictures need to be explored more. And so I took that as a challenge because to do the research because when people I care about say they're uncomfortable then I want to know why and I want to explore that and, and hope listen. hope that and listen and hope that I'm not perpetuating that discomfort right right and I think as a teacher 
it is um, a position of privilege to be in front of um, an audience and I don't think that it is necessarily our job to reflect our political persuasion. However, when you are presented with something, a topic of controversy, I do think that you need to be prepared to grapple with it. I, need you, I, I think you need to be prepared to have an answer when you are questioned on things. I think that you do need to have an opinion on it. Um, and I do think that this platform that you hold is really important. And um, that's what this conversation is really about. This conversation is how do we talk about what makes us uncomfortable about Dr. Seuss, but also take advantage of the text that we really appreciate, the text that's helpful, um, and also call to the table, maybe even in front of our students, what can be offensive, what can be uncomfortable, and what we don't allow um, as, as a part of this, or what is reflected from the history, but not apologize for how that can be hurtful to others. And yes. I think that piece is really important too. Um, you, uh, a lot of the people who did research to the links that um, we are posting, um, especially the um, the early people who did the biographies of Ted Geisel, um, sort of take um, a tone of apology for the times that he was living in and how it can be excused away because of the times that um, he was living in and this was just part of the cultural scene and I don't think that that's really fair that's something that I'm thinking about a lot because if we are still utilizing it it's still relevant today we and our worldview has changed a little bit we need to sort of change our lens view just a little not throwing it out completely there's no need to take a stand and burn all of your Dr. Seuss books please don't burn any books please. <laughs> but um, I think that we do need to be able to talk sensibly about this and have these hard conversations with our colleagues um, and sometimes even our students if it comes, um, you know, across the classroom. Well, we have a lot of influence as teachers because we put, put books in front of students and we, um, because of what we expose them to and we can almost influence their opinion and what they see and we don't want to do that blindly we want to be fully informed with the books that we're choosing to um, share with our students and um, the role models we're presenting them with and things like that and so right I think we should get into some specifics too I do too I, I want to just say too uh, before we get into all of the specifics um, in 2017, NEA, who is in charge of Read Across America, they took a stand and they did change the logo and they are backing away from Dr. Seuss as um, the logo and, and really celebrating just Dr. Seuss on Read Across America Day, which is still celebrated on March 2nd, which is Ted Geisel's birthday. Um, but one of the things that they say is that um, it's not about reading or not reading certain books. It's about raising awareness around the social and systematic bias that some that such books promote. And I think that that's exactly what we're talking about. I'm glad you brought up the word bias because that was one we needed 
Right. That it's, was the word I've been looking for. It's raising it's raising awareness around the social and systemic systemic bias that books promote at times. And in this case, some of the books that Dr. Seuss wrote do promote that. We also can make a statement too that some of the earlier books um, that we'll talk about in depth a little bit more um, also evolve and they talk about even more political things that are regarded in more of a positive light like the Sneetches, like Yertle the Turtle, like um, Horton Hears a Who and um, uh, the Lorax was the other one that I was thinking of. Let's talk about some specifics. Yeah, so um, first off, too, Mary had said that um, some of the biographers, you know, most of them are very pro-Dr. Seuss and very apologetic. Mm -hmm. And then others are extremely critical of him. And the sources that we're going to link to in the show notes... It's kind of pro or you're pro Dr. Seuss or sort of extremely critical of him. Mm -hmm. And um, it was hard to find ones that were sort of middle middle ground and looking um, at his work with a really critical lens Mm -hmm. um, so that you could form your own opinion. And our favorite source that we've linked to other than the original research that was done on the books which you should read um yes it almost turns your stomach it turned my stomach within like two or three pages to really see him using the n-word in his political cartoons and some of the really um anti-oriental things that he depicted it really did take some of the magic away from dr seuss for me and same pushed him off the pedestal so you need to go to the original source of the people that did the research study where they examined all his works but the second source that we recommend from um our show notes is the teaching tolerance article because i think they did a really good job summarizing that research and then um raising points about where do we go from here right. um, with this new knowledge and so um i'm gonna read their summary of the bigger article right now okay so this is from teaching tolerance the researchers surveyed 50 dr seuss books and concluded that of the 2000 something human characters there were 40 uh, 45 characters of color which was only two percent of that total number of human characters and then of that 45 43 of them exhibited behaviors and appearances that align with harmful and stereotypical orientalist tropes. And then the remaining two human characters are identified in the text as African and both align with the theme of anti-blackness. It's also important to note that each of these non-white characters is male and that they are all presented in subservient, exotified, or dehumanized roles, especially in their relation to white characters. And you were remembering that when you were doing the read aloud of the Mulberry Street book? Yes, the Mulberry Street book is the one. And that was one of his very earliest books. And um, yeah, now looking back to it, I I can view it with a different lens. And I think that's something that we could um, call attention to if you choose to read that book um, to your students. You can say... Um, in this light, this book was written almost a hundred years ago. 
what kind of a depiction, like, do you believe that anybody was walking around wearing a grass skirt? Or why does this man have chopsticks in the middle of the street? Was he doing that? Or why are his eyes, um, you know, presented with slits? That, that's a very strange way to um, depict this human. Um, I don't we even don't know call people that's... Chinamen. That is not a kind term. There is no city of Africa that these people are from. Um, and yes, it's it's really uh, a, an odd thing. And as I'm even reflecting back on my statement that I just said, I need to really think long and hard before I would present that to children. And how can you do that in a developmentally appropriate way? Um, how can you have a conversation that is not too heavy, not too deep, but hits just the right tone. And I think that's what we're all kind of searching for. So once again, this is why we're talking about why it's so important to discuss and start difficult conversations, first with yourself and also with your colleagues. Um, the woman who did um, this body of research, her name is um, Kathy uh, Aishizuka. Oh, Man, it kills me when I when I butcher people name people's names. I'm gonna try again. Kathy Ishizuka and Ramon Stevens, and they both also founded um, this really great social justice library called the Conscious Kid. And I'm also going to link to that because they provide a lot of donated books. Um, right now, they're not currently donating to teachers, but you can always check back. You can make donations and they have really great book lists and ways to start conversations in your classroom with children and your own children. So highly recommend that. There's a link to The Conscious Kid. So um, I guess the next question is, Shannon, why? Why are we talking about this? And the answer is we just had an episode um, and we talked about rooting Sims Bishop. Uh, and what she says about this very topic is if kids open books and the images they see of themselves or others are distorted, negative, or laughable, then they learn a powerful lesson about how they are devalued in the society in which they are a part. And we don't want that for any of our children. I don't want my students to ever feel for one second that they are devalued unintentionally correct or otherwise and so this it was time to have this episode um especially piggybacking off of our um books as um windows mirrors and doors because right. because following... we, we every almost every time we talk about books in prior seasons we've talked about dr seuss books and right. i think the other really important thing to call to light is the opposite of what i just said is that when students do see themselves represented in a positive way, it can have a really similarly powerful effect. Mm -hmm. And it can make them feel included and valued and proud and seen and heard. And there are some uh, there are new books being published that do that and teach the rhyming words and things like that like I love Ada Twist Scientist and that whole series uh, with those books they're not really um, to the level where a student could read them independently with all the rhyming words mm -hmm. um, the way the Dr. Seuss books are but they make fantastic read alouds that parents or the teachers could read and then have great 
play with language, with predicting the rhyming and reviewing the rhyming words. I also wanted to just say, too, that um, looking back, I remember in middle school and high school, um, I was involved in a couple of projects where we did use Dr. Seuss books that were um, the Butter Side Up and the Butter Side Down book and some other books that talked about more political issues, Yertle the Turtle and Fascism. And I think that examining Dr. Seuss books with older students is actually a really powerful lesson as well, that we shouldn't just negate and leave Dr. Seuss as just enjoyable, nostalgic text and literature, which it can be under the right circumstances. But I think what Shannon and I are noticing is that the next time we pick up a Dr. Seuss book, we're probably going to be a little more diligent and careful about the text that we choose and why we choose that text and how we're going to present it. And we have had these discussions about how we want to be more thoughtful about the text that we put into the hands of the children that we are in charge of. So, um, so I'm going to go back to teaching tolerance because I think they did a good job of summarizing kind of where we're feeling with this. And they say near the end of their article, you don't have to burn your favorite favorite thing one shirt good or get rid of all your dr seuss books or cut green eggs and ham from your diet unless you really want to (laughs) however we all need to be willing to explore the things that shape the young minds of our students and be willing to change our own minds when presented with new truths even if they might not always be comfortable to process and that's where it ends. And I'm going to say that that, that that last part really resonated with me because the last few years I have been presented with new truths with people that I admire saying, I'm uncomfortable with Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss has said racist things. I feel uncomfortable seeing those. I feel uncomfortable when y'all are, you know, celebrating his birthday for a whole week and only talking about how great he is. And so... I felt the call to go explore some of the new truth Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been comfortable to process because I feel in some ways that I haven't lost my old friend, but the shine is off, you know, you don't want to feel like you're perpetrating something that's causing others pain. Right, right. But I don't know. It's more like the Velveteen Rabbit, you know, like maybe he's more real now. He's a real person. You know, mm-hmm. and he has flaws and his books can be a useful tool, but they're not the be all end all perfect books to teach reading either that Correct. maybe I'd used them for in the past. I also would love to challenge any young authors or any current authors or anyone who ha- is way more talented than I am to start writing some books that have similar applications that we can utilize with you know, vivid characters, with fun, playful text, with decodable text that's really enjoyable. I know that there are lots of companies that are working towards that, but you never know. The next great could company. We need a green eggs and ham replacement. We're on the lookout for one. If anybody has a recommendation, we are all ears. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today about this. And Um, Please know that we feel quite vulnerable about talking about this topic. And um, we are feeling strong enough to start the conversation. 
Um, and even if we don't have all of the answers, we're also comfortable with listening to different perspectives um, as long as, you know, we can be um, respectful, respectful of one another, careful, cautious, and thoughtful about what we're trying to put um, into the minds of young people. Yeah. Thank you for um, helping me process this. And we will continue to do this on and off the air, talking about this and finding um, ways to use his literature in the future, um, but then also finding some other um, titles to use as well to help the students feel more valued. Agreed, 100%. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time.